Hello. Hello. Kind of weird to start this way, isn't it? <laughs> I was ready to say welcome just then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we are actually here. This is editing Anna, and joined here today I'm is editing Bonnie as well. <laughs> editing assistant Bonnie. Editing assistant Bonnie. So we have a little backstory for this one before we even get to the intro music uh-huh. that we recorded this episode a couple weeks ago with our satire episode, mm-hmm. and we are using it now. We kind of had something different planned. Right. Candy. Yeah. We were for, gonna, you mean for October? Yeah, we were going to talk about candy mm-hmm. to start off October. Because we decided that for October, because Anna loves Halloween. Love She's October. really into October and especially Halloween stuff. Damn. So we were going to do kind of Halloween, scary, those kind of things. And then we had a special request from a listener that we felt like we needed to jump right yes. on. So we changed our schedule up a bit. And now it's it's been kind of a weird week for us. So we didn't really have time to research what we were going to originally. We'll get to candy eventually. Maybe Valentine's Day. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we are doing what we recorded a couple weeks ago, which is an episode about experiments, mm-hmm. weird experiments, which we've done before. Right. And we figured actually that would be maybe a good thing to put into our spooky October episodes because it is pretty creepy. Yeah. When you think about experimenting on people and or animals. Yes. And there's like, you know, thinking about the ways that people can experiment and take advantage of kind of how our brains work, mm-hmm. kind of a mind control-y kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's it's kind of freaky. So we, we felt like we're just going to use this because it's spooky enough to start off October, but we are going to get more into some specific October-related topics. Spookiness. Spooky. Spookiness. <laughs> spooky spookiness. We will get into more spookiness. Yes. So stay tuned. <laughs> yes. This is a very good spooky laugh, Mom. Thank you. Thank you very much. So... Should we maybe give a little disclaimer that on that particular day, we did two podcasts back to back. And so... <gasps> oh, we really we, do. Mm-hmm, we had been drinking throughout the first podcast and then into this one that you're about to hear. So if you're used to listening to us... You might notice a bit of a difference that we're just a little more um, lubricated. Drunk? Drunk, yeah. A little more. A little bit A little more slurry than usual. Yeah. A, little, a, little, a little more giggly. Well, not, not the no, usual, No, we, we do guess. that normal. No, but we are... We are intoxicated mm-hmm. in the recording that you're about to hear. The live, the footage, the found footage you're about to hear is real. So don't judge us. So don't judge us, please. <laughs> All right. But we do hope you enjoy it because yes. it's kind of cool information. It's pretty so. fun. Yeah. Here are past Bonnie and Anna with the actual episode. Probably disclaimer first. Yeah, disclaimer first. Okay. Thanks, guys. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. Yeah, we try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello, and welcome to Freudian Sips, a podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Anna. And I'm Bonnie. Did that sound a little weird? (gasps) We're in bizarro world. <laughs> We're in bizarro opposite <laughs> land. Upside down bizarro and world. We are doing that because we're slightly intoxicated. <laughs> we are like we're recording more than one episode at a time. And how I'm I'm gonna do a little check. How drunk are we? On a scale of what? <laughs> one one to thirteen. Well, usually when we do a podcast, we begin with just maybe a couple of glasses because we've had a glass with lunch and then we have a glass as we begin. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the podcast, we've had several glasses. At least, usually my average is about three glasses, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. three beverages. So I've had a full-on three, maybe four. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's probably... 
at about four or five, yeah. Why don't you just tell them what we're going to talk about, and then if we need to do pre-roll, we can go back. Well, we're doing what we've actually done before and we really like, which is a uh, Wacky Experiments Volume 2. We're doing the Volume 2. We've uh, done this before with what we're experiencing. You did Milgram, and I did the Stanford Prison Experiment in our first volume of this. Indeed, indeed. And it was very fun. I think it's very fun to talk about like experiments that people have done and it's fun and also alarming at times it is, it is a little worrying alarming the, the way that people have gone about this and when we talked about pavlov we talked about experimentation yeah, but it was, was within the pavlov it was pavlov yeah. had his very own so, I, I, yeah. I, I don't remember so we sometimes visit the experimental issues because much of what we've learned in the field of psychology is due to experimentation which sometimes can go a little sideways episode nine is pavlov by the way thank you thank you but yeah we have <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you <laughs> i'm too polite to say you're welcome <laughs> so a lot of what we talk about is especially the ones we talked about in our last episode of the experiments like it happened before we really came up with the ethics guidelines that we have and so it was kind of more like the wild, wild west out there. And mm-hmm. there, there weren't as many repercussions for doing things not exactly ethically. There weren't as many people giving you the evil eye for doing things not exactly <laughs> ethically. It, it just, it wasn't as regulated as it is now. There you go. Now, I think it's good that it's regulated. But we've also talked about how when we do those experiments that are less regulated and that are a little more ethically questionable i'll say we get a lot of results we, we learn a lot yeah mm-hmm. and it's such a hard line to draw because it's really good to learn a lot but mm-hmm. it's also not good to like do bad things to dogs right or people exactly so what do we, we do we, we need wait, wait, wait do we need to step back because i'm sorry i threw us right into it you did. like i do you know do you need any pre-roll uh, are you all good? If you want to. Because I know how you get about your pre-roll. I, I do get very protective about my pre-roll. And now we've kind of wetted their whistle <laughs> about the experiments. Uh, it's like so, a teaser. Like so a now teaser they're like, hang on, tell us yes. about the experiments. But now we're going to throw a pre-roll in. But we aren't. We aren't going to tell you about experiments. <laughs> we're, well, I, the only pre-roll I would have would be merchant reviews. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. we always plug at the beginning of our episodes, if you are interested in having shirts and pillows and maybe a mug and really cool stuff that has our podcast logo on it then mm-hmm. you can go to freudiansipspod.com and there's a merch link you click on that merch link mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. buy all the cool shirts you can do it i've been wearing my very soft oh yes it's little so hoodie i turn my air conditioner really cold because <laughs> it's not cold where we are yet and I wear my hoodie at night because it's soft and fluffy. It is. It's very, so it's a very like vivid it. color, and the, mm-hmm. the inside mm-hmm. is just so soft. I like it. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. So if you do that, if you go buy merch for us, please like take a picture of yourself and and tag us on social media because we would be so delighted to see that you guys are enjoying our merch, enjoying our podcast. Mm-hmm. We would just we would be on top of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Usually you say on top of the world, but no. you go all the way to the moon. I want to go all the way to the moon because... <laughs> that is so you, Anna. Thank you. You go above and beyond the world and you go to the moon. Thanks. That's, really, that's just you. I remember one uh, undergrad psychology class where you were a... You were a guest speaker. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Do you remember, remember that? that? Yeah. Yeah. So mom was a guest speaker because we were doing like, what can you do with a bachelor's in psychology? And that's what she had at the time. <laughs> So yeah. she, she came into my class and she was talking and she went around the class saying, hey, what would you do if you could do anything, if you could do any career? And everyone was like, veterinarian, da 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 And I said, mm-hmm. astronaut, I want to go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so I would go to the moon if I could. Uh-huh. If anyone mm-hmm. wants to pay for my uh, space camp, please do. I don't want you to go, go to, to our Patreon. <laughs> Go to our Patreon and sign up so I can go to space camp. You cannot do podcasts from the moon. You do. Yes. Well, we probably can we these can. days. Yeah, there's yeah. streaming video up But in I space. would be uncomfortable with that. With you, you, you gotta, to You got to go to the moon with me. I will not go to the moon. That's one thing. We do a lot of things together. We're a little enmeshed. <laughs> but I will not go to the moon. I'm sorry. I'm a little claustrophobic about being All in the right. whole space capsule thing. Fine. Sorry. Okay, so merch. 
merch 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 space merch and uh the other thing is reviews which we are still doing our sticker promotion where if you free free sticker free sticker free free die cut stickers so if you go and you do a review for us uh i would say on apple podcasts but if not just wherever you do a review i mean there's other places that do reviews any podcast aggregation website if you do a review for us and you send us a screenshot and you send us your address at freudian sips pod at gmail.com then mm-hmm. we will send you a sticker we've already had a few people do this and it always just even if we're kind of bribing you it always warms our heart to get a review <laughs> it, it really it just true. makes our day so please do that please let us know that you like what we're doing or if you don't let us know what we can do better but we will cry a little bit just a little but we'll hold each other while we cry we'll try so to, we'll try to be cool we'll about it. it it's fine but we'll still send you a sticker <laughs> Yeah, you'll still get a sticker. Yeah, that's all I have for pre-roll. Okay, good, great. Great. That was good pre-roll. We should like Rochambeau for who's going to go first. What? Rock, rock, paper, scissors. What did you just say? Rochambeau. I don't think I can do it with my mic in the way. One, I can't do it right. Okay. One, one, two, three, shoot? Yes. Okay. One, two, three, shoot. Oh, man. Oh, we tie. <laughs> we tie always scissors. Gonna tie. <laughs> one, two, three, <laughs> we tied again. <laughs> okay, one, one, two, three. Oh, <laughs> this is never gonna work, Anna. Okay, We're too much alike. One, two, three. Oh, okay, mom, rock. beat me with rock. Rock, rock, rock. I had scissors, and mom has a rock, so she's gonna go first. Okay. Um, the experiment that I'm going to talk about today is from a man named Albert Bandura. He's actually still living. He's 93 years old right now. He's he's like must have eaten healthy and stuff. And he took out his aggression on Bobo dolls, which we will talk oh, about. She'll get so to. he didn't hold any of that anxiety in. So he's much, much more healthy than some of us. He's best known for his social learning theory and the concept of self efficacy that's really hard to say when you've had a few glasses you said it very well and the most famous of his experiments is the bobo doll which i'll tell you about in just a minute i just keep saying bobo doll as many times as i can (laughs) it's a really fun word because it makes your mouth happy to say bobo doll (laughs) it makes your mouth happy (laughs) say it try it it. say it bobo Bobo doll doll. bobo doll bobo doll It, it like there's a bounce to it. It, it Bobo <laughs> makes doll. you want to go get a Bobo yeah. doll. <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah. if I didn't know about this experiment, I wouldn't know what a Bobo doll is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if that was a common thing at some point, but I wouldn't know what it is. We're going to tell you in just a second right, what a Bobo right. doll is. Oh, the anticipation. I know. I'm, I'm trying to whet your whistle. <laughs> He is right now currently, as a 93-year-old person, a professor emeritus at Stanford University. Stanford oh, kind of keeps coming back Stanford. on us, doesn't it? He's All the wide- Stanford professors doing weird stuff. <laughs> he is widely regarded as one of the greatest living psychologists. That's the quote that I'm reading there. Okay. Did so- he write that? <laughs> he did, probably. He Hi. typed it on his hey, Facebook. Albert Bandura is... <laughs> I didn't think of that, but actually that's probably really true. (laughs) Okay, so let me tell you about his Bobo doll experiment. Because you see, Albert Bandura believed in his social learning theory is basically his idea. And that is that we do learn from observing other people around us, which I just have to say... Uh, duh. Yeah, yeah. This is a <laughs> uh, duh. We've definitely talked about experiments before on the podcast. That like, mm-hmm. why did we need this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did we need to do this? Did we as, need to spend thousands as a of research study? And this is very much one of those things that like, did we not know that before? Did we need to spend money to know this? Exactly. So yeah, he was trying to prove that we basically learn things by watching other people around us, especially little children. Duh. Learn things by watching the grown-ups around us. Uh, duh. duh. Yeah. So let me tell you about the experiment that he created first in 1961, which was the year I was born. So it's a pretty good year. Yeah. I feel like our last experiment an episode you did. A lot happened in 1961. It was a very important year. A lot of important things happened, like Bonnie you, was born. Are you like only doing experiments that happened in 1961? Because <laughs> we're going to be very limited it very was quickly. A very good year. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay. Okay, what happened? Okay, it, it was at Stanford University, of course, because they have all these freaky, As weird, all wacky experiments yeah. are. 
And for his study, he used a three foot and a five foot inflatable because he had little kids like that were even younger and a little bit older kids. Okay. So he used two dolls actually. As someone who's very close to five foot, that makes me nervous. (laughs) Inflatable plastic toys that are called Bobo dolls. They're painted to kind of look like clowns which freaks me out a little bit they're kind of Mm pear-shaped if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. that they they don't they're kind of weeble wobble and they're weighted on the bottom so that when you when you would push them over they're inflated when you push them over they bounce right back up right they're because they're weebles wobble but they don't fall down exactly because they're weighted in the bottom so the subjects were preschoolers at stanford's nursery school Stanford's got a little issues going on there. Loaded a little bit of loaded verbiage there. The little people were little children, that is. The little (laughs) (laughs) They were children. The little people were actually (laughs) children. They were children. They were divided into three groups. One group observed an aggressive adult with the Bobo doll. So Mm -hmm. they observed aggressive adult behavior. The second group observed non-aggressive behavior with the doll. And the third group was not really exposed to any behavior at all. Okay, so this was the... Wait, what? This, they just kind of like, whatever. So did they have an adult there or did they just immediately go into interacting with the doll? They had an adult there. So I'm so going to do just like stare I'm, at the bobo doll. <laughs> it's like, hi. Hi. Hi, this is me and my bobo doll. This is <laughs> me and my best friend. So so we talked about before we started recording earlier in the day, before we had any wine. <laughs> a dangerous time to be. We talked about how I went a little concerned about explaining this to you because it is, in my opinion, rather confusing. It, so it is a confusing So I'm going to try to be so when you clear say as I can. They were introduced to someone not being aggressive. Right. Were they Just hanging out with toys and stuff? But to me, that's also not interacting. I mean, uh, were they doing something like pro social? Let me, let me, let okay. me explain to you. Okay, okay. please do. So they were divided by gender into six subgroups because the gender is going to matter eventually. Okay. Half of the subgroups would observe a same-sex behavior model and half would observe an opposite sex. So we have kind of a lot of variables going on here. So in the first stage of the experiment, the children were individually seated, individually, at a table in one corner of a room and presented with activities that they could, you know, things that they could do, play with, stickers, pictures, Things like that, that they could like do stuff in order to discourage active participation and to encourage just watching what was going on at the other end of the room. So they were kind of engaged in what was happening at their table. The behavior model was then taken to the opposite corner. So the adult went to the opposite corner, which contained another table and a chair and some toys, including this cracks me up. A mallet. Like a hammer? Like a hammer? Yes. A tinker toy set. I have one of those in my office right now. A tinker toy toy set. Is that like, I'm picturing Lincoln Logs. Yeah, well, they're like, they have little round things and they have sticks that you put together. It's a construction set. Connects, sort of. Yes. An old school connects. Old school connects. That's what tinker toys is. Um, Because remember, this is 1961. They didn't have connects yet. Lego ish. Oh, yeah. We weren't that cool back then. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, the Bobo doll. We, as if you weren't a newborn baby. (laughs) Yeah. Oops, sorry. That was a bad noise. That's all right. I had to move my computer because I had to use my finger because (laughs) it's so freaking confusing. Okay. So the she little, is touching her screen. I am. To, to I highlight. like. I like need a bookmark or something. <laughs> I just need to put sticky notes <laughs> on my screen. So in one of the groups, the aggressive behavior model groups, the model, so the grown up, abused the Bobo doll. Like so, the grown up went over to the other table, and instead of like sitting at the table and playing with the Tinker toys, they would stand up and like start punching on the oh, bobo doll man. and kicking if you watch the video this is uh, one of those things that you can see on youtube we we if talked you about look- this a little bit in our last episode with virginia mm-hmm. satir we're kind of getting into the area of psychology where there are like youtube videos you can of these watch things it. happening exactly so if you look up like bobo doll experiment you can see some of this in action which is very i think it gives a lot of context it gives right. a lot of it's exactly. interesting to watch yeah it makes it more real yeah so 
So the model would not only like punch the doll and kick the doll and throw the doll up in the air, but they would also, this cracks me up, they would be verbally aggressive. Oh, they like, like by yelling said mean things to Yeah, like, doll? I'm going to punch you in the nose. You're just a stupid doll and your mom was a doll. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was 1961, so they didn't get so mean back You're, then. Oh, they didn't have back your mom jokes was, in 1961? No. <laughs> back then, they did things like, suck him, I'm going to suck him in the nose, and pow, pow, pow. That's just calling your attacks. That's not even, I'm going to do a right hook. So they, so they watched him do that. Now, okay. the second group had the non-aggressive behavior models. In that group, the model just kind of ignored the Bobo doll and would like sit down and play with the Tinker Toys. Sure. Which uh, is appropriate, sure. right? And after about 10 minutes, okay, so now you have two of those groups, right? Mm-hmm. You have one who's punching on the doll. You have one who's like ignoring the doll and playing with the Tinker Toys. This is non-aggressive is what they call it? The second one is non-aggressive. The okay. first one was aggressive where they right, pound on the Bobo. Right, where they're ignoring it is non-aggressive? Right, non-aggressive. Okay. okay. And so after about 10 minutes, the models would leave the room. So, so see, this is where it gets confusing. In the second, I, in I the pictured sp- the Boba dolls leaving the room. <laughs> the Boba dolls like, I did like, not get paid enough for this. Peace out. Bye. <laughs> so in the second phase of the experiment, the children were taken. So they're taken out of the room. They're not allowed to go to that end of the, it's like, no, you can't go to that end. They're taken individually into a different room. This cracks me up. Where they're presented with a new group of appealing toys, things that they can play with. So this is to test the hypotheses that the observation of the aggression is building in them. Okay? It's building the likelihood of aggression in the observers. Okay. So so they let the kids play with the toys, but not for very long. The kids are, the kids, you say to the kids like, okay, go ahead and play, do what you want to do. And they start to do that for just a little bit of time. And then it's like, oh, you got to leave. You got to leave this room. <laughs> so they purposefully. You've had too much fun. They purposefully did that. They made them like leave the toys that they were engaged with to, quote, build their frustration level. Okay. Because what they were trying to test is aggression okay. in, these, in these babies, in these fun. little kids. Because they're babies, babies. Let's face it. They are How, babies. What was the they're age preschool. Age? Oh, yeah. So they're like three to five. Tiny. Okay. So, okay, so they weren't testing aggression, like, for just non-frustrated individuals. It was just, like, how they... They they tried to give them a little bit of frustration to see how they would act upon that. How how they would... Handle that. Show frustration in an aggressive situation. There you go. Okay. Okay. So, now, this is the final stage. They took them back into the original room where the Bobo doll was. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) And then they they watched them. This seems like a weird extra step to be in there. So, I know, I... When I, that's what I'm saying to you. Remember when I said to you it's confusing? This mm-hmm. is the confusing part. So they basically took him in there and let him play a little bit like, ooh, we're happy. We're playing with new toys. And then I was like, ah, you don't get to play with those toys. We're nabbing <laughs> your butt. See all those cool toys? <laughs> you don't get to touch those. You can't have them. So Come then they here. snatched him up and they put him in the original room and they kind of left him there to play for 20 minutes, which is a long time for a little bitty kids. A long time, yeah. And they were rated according to the degree of physical and verbal aggressiveness okay. that they modeled at that point, okay? So they watched the little people, kids, that is. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, 90% of the children in the aggressive behaviors group modeled the adult's behavior by attacking the doll 90 percent that's so pretty high they had been they had watched the aggression then they moved to the other room for a few minutes they came back and 90 percent of them like went ballistic on the bobo doll wow basically basically (laughs) ballistic on the bobo doll ballistic on the bobo doll however (laughs) it is significant to note that the male participants, the male children, were more physically aggressive. And somewhere along here, let me, let me, this is one of those times, Ann and I have talked about when you look up experiments, sometimes you find like different statistics. In one reference, it talks about 36 boys and 36 girls. In another reference, it talks about 40. So I'm assuming they kind of rounded it up. I guess. Okay. You don't really round in studies. That's not really a thing. I would hope not kind of garbage if you're around it. <laughs> so basically the results of the tests found that the children exposed to the aggressive model were more likely to act physically aggressive than those who were not. Duh again, right? Again, duh, yes. Duh. Um, so those children exposed to the aggressive model, the number of 
those kids who like imitated. For the boys, it was 38.2. This is interesting. For the girls, it was 12.7. That's pretty so that's pretty significant that the boys were more aggressive. But again, like 38 isn't a high number. It's out of 39. Oh, I thought you meant percent. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the gender really differences, high. yeah, the gender differences are significant. And actually Bandura predicted that, that the children would be divided gender-wise. Right. But he also was significantly, he said that children would be affected strongly by same sex. So like if the boys watched a boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a girl watched a girl. And they and he proved that that was true. Interesting. That like if the boys watched a boy be aggressive, they were more likely to be aggressive themselves than if they watched a girl be aggressive and vice versa. That's really interesting with the discussion of gender uh-huh. right now in you know the psychological community and the lgbtq community and all that stuff like right. gender still matters right and that is something we need to be aware of we're just kind of as a psychological culture becoming more aware that gender is a spectrum and that there's kind of more complexities to it than this might so, suggest and so exactly exactly what you're saying we have to remember this is 1961 right and in 1961 we did not acknowledge that no at, at all. all at all there were men i mean we kind of don't acknowledge mm, now there were men and there were women and you did not yes. there was no yeah. spectrum the, yeah and and that's what this test is based right. on and that's kind of the disclaimer we've given from other episodes where it's like hey as we're talking about just binary boys girls that's because that's what the verbiage of the study is right they just that's what they focused on so bandura also found out that the children exposed to the aggressive model were more likely to act in verbally aggressive ways than those who were not exposed to the aggressive model Mm -hmm. the number of imitative verbal aggressions exhibited by the boys was 17 times more than the girls can that be possible that's a lot but this is what i think is really interesting 17 times more so so physically speaking (laughs) physically speaking the boys were more likely to to model that physical aggression Mm -hmm. but it came to this cracks me up when it comes to the verbal aggression of like i'm gonna punch you in the nose (laughs) kind of thing the girls were almost equal to the boys huh so, you know how girls kind of like... That tracks like, with what I know about adolescent <laughs> girls. Yeah. We're more, you know, we're just as likely to be like, I'm going to punch you in the nose kind of thing I, than it's the not boys. Even like, <laughs> it's not even like verbal threats of violence. It's just verbal aggression in right. terms of like bullying. Right. In terms of like bullying That's about who you true. are. I mean, like girls, I mean, having been an adolescent girl, I remember sitting down in fifth grade, like we, we got called in to talks you know like lectures <laughs> about like hey don't bully people right. like with your words i mean right. there's uh, girls have a, a much stronger kind of stealthier i'll say culture of bullying and aggression in terms of verbiage well we've talked about that about how boys kind of punch it out and get it over yeah with, yeah and girls can carry on the verbal thing right forever, right right so basically the bottom line of the 1961 thing was the kids who saw aggression in adults modeled it. Significantly more boys than girls did it. But all of them did it to some extent. So so basically the, the bottom line, the baseline was when children see adults being aggressive, they learn to be aggressive. Again, duh, right? So much duh. So much duh. He repeated his experiment with some added points in 1963 and basically some of the things that were added to his experiment were the idea that when children could see there were two different things that were added in one experiment he talked about how children could view either a live model or a person like on video oh okay yeah or there was one more step like a cartoon figure on video okay and this kind of tied into Video violence, which we hear so much about. Which is coming back, which Mm -hmm. is uh, ridiculous, I'll say. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what he suggests is that whether it would be live or whether it would be video, and whether it would be human video, like watching a live person beat up on the Bobo doll or watching a cartoon character beat up on the Bobo doll, they all had the exact same effect on the children. Hmm. So the children learned the same aggressive techniques from the live person, the video person, or the video cartoon. Okay. So we might get into some fights here, mm -hmm. like on the air. Because (laughs) on the air. On the air. Because there's this whole thing about video games causing violence. Mm -hmm. That is not true. That is not a thing that happens. You and Bandura, you need to call Bandura. He's 93 years old. He's 11. You need to call him and you need to be like, dude. Hi. I disagree. I disagree. I mean, uh, I, I'm from a podcast. I have a very popular podcast that you can listen to. <laughs> uh, Bender, if you're listening, please come on our podcast. <laughs> Albert, Albert. Albert, dude. Albert, we would buddy, love please. To have you on our podcast. We would love to have you. Um, we said the same thing to Philip Zimbardo. <laughs> That and never he didn't respond. Oh, uh, man. I can't really, believe he didn't he respond. Never, I even tagged him on Twitter. <laughs> and he never, he never responded. But, but they did. Many people have generalized this study to that. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the kids. I think you that can you. can generalize anything right. to anything. You and I would agree that we basically learn things from adults when we're kids. Well, yes, but we, we that's watch also them the reason that you it. shouldn't like smack your kids when they right. do something wrong. We shouldn't learn things that are negative. Right. So let me real quick just throw in a couple of things about how the study is unethical. <laughs> Great. Um, and some of it about about reliability and generalizing the study. First of all, let me just throw in a real quick. This doesn't seem as unethical as other things we've talked it's, about. I don't think it's as, you know, it's not torturing dogs or no. anything. No. So, yeah. <laughs> we set the bar pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Once you torture dogs, everything's you know, pretty cool yeah. after that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the problems about generalizing this is that these are children that were taken from Stanford University's nursery. So that's a pretty unique group of children, mm-hmm. right? So you might say that's not like the every man's preschool. Okay, Stanford University's nursery. The children of the professors at Stanford, basically. Mm-hmm. So the generalizing of this information might be kind of questionable. Also, the generalizing of from three to five-year-olds to how does this affect people in general society is right. maybe hard. As far as the reliability of this experiment, it's it's actually pretty reliable because he replicated the study several times and it always came up with the same idea, which is, duh, Kids look to adults to learn their we behavior. We should probably do an episode about reliability and validity. About what is what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I statistics. Agree. I, agree. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Bad. So how about if I I just mention very quickly about validity. Okay. That's the other part of the study idea. Um, the main criticism of his study is that they do lack validity, and that's because the children were put in a weird situation i mean it's not yeah. normal to be brought into a room and then watch the grown-up beat and up a bobo doll really and then... i mean even kids as young as preschool know it's a doll right uh, and it's we, made to come bouncing exactly. back up at we, you i mean i've talked to preschool kids about like hitting a pillow when they need to get out aggression uh-huh uh, it's it's you cognitively know that hitting a bobo doll is different than hitting a, a person. human person right 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 out there in cyberspace, there are some notes about that he did other studies where he, quote, dressed up a real-life clown and sent him in instead of a boba doll. Like a human person? <laughs> it's mentioned in, in several textbooks, actually. What? He <laughs> said, wait, did kids hit a human person? However, I could not find any, like, specific citation oh, no. Just to... <laughs> I'm sorry, but for me personally, if a Bobo person came into her mind, I might be I would punch him too, yeah. 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 So the the basic issue with the ethics is that we put these children in a situation that was really not maybe very healthy because we had them watch this aggression 
and we had them act out in a way. We, we First of all, we frustrated them because we right. did that thing where we right. put them in there and said, oh, look at these cool toys. Oh, no, you can't play with them. Sorry. So we kind of tried to piss them off, basically, right. to see if that we could get some aggression out of them. The other part of the ethic issue is, did this have some effect on them going forward? Because did they store this in their memory as, okay, when I get pissed off, I'm going to beat somebody. It might be Bobo Dow, but if there's not a Bobo Dow, then maybe it'll be my brother. Maybe right. it'll be and my cousin. Okay. This is debriefing, which is exactly. vital to all studies that are now And there held. was no debriefing in Great. this. Great. Sorry. Perfect. So yeah, that's the ethics of it, that it's not a good thing. So the bottom line of this experiment was that they called out that, yes, indeed, we do learn aggression from watching other people be aggressive in situations and and social theory again is that we learn from watching the people around us especially when we're children we watch the grown-ups but it, it just was not maybe the greatest way to just figure that out and and, and again duh couldn't yeah. we have figured that out without an experiment seems like so. a thing we could have observed yeah so that's the bobo experiment baby fine bandura's bobo what do you got today? I'm, my experiment. So you may know Harry Harlow. If you know the name Harlow, then you know the experiment that I'm going to be talking about. If you don't know the name, know that this story involves Reese's monkey, specifically baby Reese's monkeys. Oh, they're so cute. They're so adorable. And it fills me with impotent rage <laughs> in much the way our Pavlov episode did. Yes. This episode isn't quite as gross as the Pavlov episode. It's very similar, though. Like, in my mind, they're kind of in the same category. Hmm. If you want to listen to the Pavlov episode, don't. But also <laughs> do. It, it's episode nine. Don't discourage them from watching. No, from you should. You should. It's episode nine. Just be Just wary. be prepared. Just be prepared. Yeah. So let's talk about Harry Harlow. To give him a fair shake. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, Let's Homeboy try. was born on October 31st, 1905. Happy Halloween! Uh, maybe that was why he was a freaking psychopath. <laughs> so, his original surname was actually Israel. Harry Israel. This will come into play later. There's honestly not much information about his personal life. He did get into Stanford University through a... Stanford! It's always Stanford. (laughs) It's always Stanford! Stanford, Stanford, Stanford. So he got into Stanford through a quote-unquote special aptitude test. Directly from Wikipedia, (laughs) after a semester as an English major with nearly disastrous grades, he declared himself a psychology major. (laughs) Where he could get good <laughs> grades easily because it's so much easier. I mean, this is kind of hilarious. I've been there. <laughs> I, it's not like I was getting bad grades as a graphic design major, but I was definitely like, I don't want to do this. So I went to psychology. So I can, you know, I feel that. Grad school, he studied with the creator of the Stanford Binet IQ test, Louis Terman. Sure. We'll probably talk about IQ tests at some point. Yes. That would be a whole episode. It it would be. So in 1930, after getting his PhD, Harry, our boy Harry, changed his name from Harry Israel to Harry Harlow. This was at request of Terman, actually. Terman thought it was a good idea to change it because he had a fear of negative consequences due to Harry having a Jewish-sounding last name, even though his family wasn't Jewish. But huh. with the name Israel, he I was, was going to say that's the first thing that I thought of. Yeah, yeah. But his his family wasn't Jewish, huh. so he changed his name to Harlow, which is like okay. his father had Harlow in the name. Okay. So he changed it. And again, this is why I'd like to do these kind of. I mean, this is a very short history, but this mm-hmm. is why I like to do the histories. Mm-hmm. It gives us context as to what these people went through, right. what what they were trying to work through while they created Sometimes their Sometimes we theories. come across pretty judgy about the way people do things. Yeah. And, and we, can. we shouldn't be judgy because we I all mean, got stuff and we all go through stuff, which leads us to do the stuff that we do. I guess. But it's still, no matter what you've gone through, things like animal torture are not okay and there are definitely things we've come across that have verged into that territory so that's still not okay no matter what you've gone through but i do agree that it gives context to 
the person that we're seeing develop these It helps these us theories. to have empathy for those people. That's exactly the right word. It, it helps us to understand where these people are coming from, maybe what caused these ideas that maybe we don't even agree with, but it, it can give us insight into why they made these ideas. And I, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. So this guy didn't exactly commit atrocities, but he, he definitely did some things that I'll go into that are not exactly great. So after his doctorate, Harry took a professorship at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, very close mm-hmm. to where our girl Virginia grew up. Yeah, those Wisconsin people, they're getting some points. <laughs> we're, we're doing a very Wisconsin few episodes here. <laughs> And he was unable to persuade his psychology department to give him adequate laboratory space. So he rented a vacant building down the street like a mad scientist. Because he was, no, he was determined to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. So he did it. That's a really good refrain. But also, <laughs> but also kind of a little mad scientist. That's now. all I'm saying. He, he did renovate it. He did make it better than it was. And it would later become what was known as the Primate Laboratory, which was one of the first of its kind in the world. I mean, it was it was very pioneering. Okay. Uh, so with that, enough foreplay. Let's get into the experiment. Let's talk about monkeys. I like when you say enough foreplay. That's Thank- good. <laughs> do, I, do I say that a lot? No, but I just like to hear it. Do I? <laughs> I'll be sure to work it in more. It's fine. Harry was originally studying learning and cognition in primates. So he was doing these tests and he realized that the monkeys he was studying were creating strategies for the tests he was giving to them. So basically they were developing what's later called learning sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just strategies. That's what it right. that's what it basically is. Monkeys can learn. Monkeys can learn. <laughs> Much like people. Let's sum that up. Yes. Monkeys can learn. Monkeys okay. are so smart. <laughs> and they're cute. And they're cute. Oh my god. I will I will post pictures of this on Instagram. You're gonna you're gonna be you're so gonna, sad. Your heart is gonna be shattered. You're gonna, you're gonna be so sad. Uh Harry wanted to go further into this kind of realization that he had. So he established a breeding colony of rhesus macaque monkeys. Okay, so go look up picture of rhesus macaque monkeys if that doesn't do it for you look up rhesus macaque babies they're so cute they're so cute oh my god (laughs) i i firmly believe that i only feel as strongly as i do about this experiment because these monkeys are so cute i agree like i i I think yeah if they were were ugly monkeys you wouldn't care as much yeah i i think that is something that we could talk about for they're just freaking cute yeah it's just (laughs) i mean they they seem like babies they seem like you know it just strikes this very like internal part of you that's like i need to protect this baby Mm, yeah it's very hard yeah Got it. But that goes into a whole conversation about animal ethics that I don't think we're prepared to have. (laughs) So we're going to move on. So because of what he wanted to study, Harry put these monkeys that he was raising, these infant monkeys, basically, in a nursery setting rather than keeping them with their mothers. I know. I'm like, going to make that sound a lot. Oh, you're going to make it so much. It's it's going to get so much worse. So through this. The mommy and me is suffering. Uh, I okay, know, because okay, that's a mommy okay. being having its baby taken from it, basically. Absolutely. It's really hard. So through this, he noticed that the monkeys raised in the nursery were much different than the ones raised with their moms. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, again, we kind of say like, duh. Like yeah, that, exactly. That, that is That's something that is thing again. so worked into our, you know, psychiatric culture that, uh, duh. So the nursery monkeys were reclusive. They had social deficits. They clung to their, oh my God, mom. They clung oh. to their cloth diapers as a form of support and comfort. Oh. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry <laughs> as we record this. Oh, oh my God. So this led Harry to want to investigate the mother-infant bond. Duh. Yeah, again, duh. So this was not a new thing. This was not a new area of study. 
it's called maternal deprivation. And it's already, at this point in history, it's already a point of contention with especially the behaviorists and experts in child development and attachment, especially someone named John Bowlby, who we will talk about further in later episodes. But he was a an expert in child attachment with parents. So Harry wanted to basically throw his hat in the ring, and he began introducing surrogate mothers to the monkeys. These were basically mon- mothers, monkey mothers, monkey, monkey mothers, monkey mothers. <laughs> I've been called that at times in my life. You monkey mother. <laughs> but they were they were made out of wire and wood, and they had like faces built onto them. So they were differentiated in some way. So the monkeys grew to know their mothers, basically. Like, even it was just a wire mother, mm-hmm. but it had, like, a face on it. They, they would mm-hmm. be able to differentiate that face from other faces. It doesn't matter how ugly your mother is. You still love her. Oh. <laughs> I think the, it's the exact, the, the exact opposite of a face only a mother could love. <laughs> I think it's that. Right. But the, the monkeys, like, were able to recognize the faces of their quote-unquote mothers that had been introduced to them in their environment. Oh, my God. I know. This is breaking my heart, oh my you know. God. Uh, while I was doing research for this episode, my husband was like, don't show me any more pictures of monkeys. <laughs> you just, are breaking his heart. Oh, my God. It gets very, very rough. So for the next phase, Harry wanted to see if monkeys preferred wire mothers or mothers covered in cloth. Now, I remind you that the the mothers before were wire and wood. So this is when he's introducing cloth into the mix. Okay. And he used two conditions for this. So the first condition is that the monkey was given um, both the wire mother and the cloth mother. And the cloth mother was given the bottle attached to it. That's that's pretty obvious that the, the baby monkey would want to go toward the cloth mother that would also provide it nourishment. Right. But Harry, yeah, Harry wanted to go beyond that, which is the cloth mother and the wire mother both being present in the second condition, but the wire mother having the bottle. Uh-huh. Overwhelmingly, the monkeys preferred the cloth mother, even when the wire mother was the one that had the nutrition, the food. Mm. So it was, they would go to the wire mother to get. And just, drink up. And exactly. Then they, would they would fill up. <laughs> and then immediately they would go back to the cloth mother. Uh-huh. So. That makes perfect sense. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to post some heartbreaking photos on our Instagram. <laughs> don't post too many. You don't I want mean, to make people okay, sad. Okay, it'll be two or three. I just need you to have. Like you just want to share your sorrow. I just want misery loves company. Oh, okay, and okay. I'm in so much misery looking <laughs> at all these adorable monkeys. It's just very, very sad. But okay, it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. It <sighs> always, it always gets worse. So it gets worse. Okay, okay. So it it kept escalating in terms of study. So <laughs> the next studies were. Fear tests. Oh, I hate those. I know. I know. So I, okay, I'm jumping a step a little bit because I'm lumping this in with what they called open field tests, but the results of both were similar, so I'm going to lump them in together. Okay. So basically the open field tests gave the monkey a new environment to explore with new toys and new objects. So just new, new everything. Okay. But the monkeys would always go back to the mom for comfort. Oh, I know. Um, if the mom was there, the monkey would explore and would kind of go back to the mom for just like a safe space to have. Mm-hmm. If the mom wasn't there, the monkey just flat out did not explore. Oh. It would, listen. <laughs> It would sit in a ball and suck its thumb. Oh. <laughs> I want to hold all the monkeys. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. Okay. It's very It's very. I sad. want all the monkeys to come to my house and let me Just hold them. Create a monkey sanctuary. <laughs> I know. I also want to hold my babies. <sighs> so that's the open field test. The fear test. Okay. Don't like that one at all. Exactly what it sounds like. It's um the monkeys were given a fearful stimulus, which was usually a noise making teddy bear. Oh. 
doesn't sound too threatening, but still, I mean, startle yeah. response. Yeah, you know for, what I mean? For, yeah, for babies. For a baby monkey? Yeah. yeah. So without the mom, the monkeys cowered, uh, avoided the teddy bear, just like would get a, as far away from it as possible. Duh. Yeah. Exactly. With mom, there was less of a fear response. And again, they kind of clung to the mom while they were curiously exploring the fear stimulus. Okay. So in all of these, the the basic exploration showed that the monkeys used their surrogate mothers as a a base for exploration and a source of comfort and protection, even against really scary stuff. Okay. I mean, even against stuff that they otherwise would not want to confront they used their mom surrogate, their safe space to... Do you feel like that, Anna? Can you face scary things if you know mommy's with you? I, I can. I mean, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I'm an adult, so I should be able to do it by myself. But yeah. I still miss my mom. My mom's uh, been gone a, for a lot this, of years this, and I miss her. This occurs that... Like when we were in our grad school program, Mm -hmm. whenever there would be an event or something that we would have to do, I would be like, Mom, are you going? (laughs) Like I would be very specific about like, please, you need to go to this thing. Because if you don't go to this thing, I'm not going to be able to function. So, I mean, I I think that's part of like we we made the joke about enmeshment, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a later family episode. But I mean, I do think that in this situation specifically it's about mothers it's about surrogate mothers it's about mm-hmm. all that i think in general it's about just comfort I, right whatever gives you comfort right. because maybe you're from a really crummy family that those parental figures don't give you comfort but mm-hmm. your significant other gives you comfort right and if you're in a social situation where you're unfamiliar Mm-hmm. If your significant other is there, you'll better be able to go out and explore and introduce yourself to people. It's it's not just about specifically mother. I mean, I know I'm using the word mother and, and surrogate mother a mm-hmm. lot. It's not just about mother. It's about comfort. It's about right. safety. It's about trust. Right. It's about attachment. So I, I think there's a lot that goes into it. This study specifically was just about monkey moms. <laughs> Monkey mommies. <laughs> monkey. The two, the wire mom and the cloth mom. And the two right. lesbian monkey moms <laughs> that were there for this very special moms. monkey. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, when when it had both the moms, it would go, like, it would, like, go to both the moms, I guess, but it would always go back to cloth mom. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how it is with any parent set. You go to the softer. Yes. Yeah, not necessarily physically softer, but no, the mo- no, it's not softer. always mom. It's sometimes yeah. it's dad. And, yeah, and if you're, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I would always go to my dad when I wanted comfort and protection and all that stuff. Maybe dad was the softer, and that's exactly. not exactly a, a derogatory term at all. Yeah. It's just maybe they were kinder, more open. Mm-hmm. All those softer things. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get that with your parents, and now that you're an adult, you have it in a significant other, right? then then enjoy that. But enjoy the, of it. Enjoy the softness. Enjoy the softness, but be aware that that's what you're getting from them. Right. Because eventually you need to get that for yourself. That's true. And that's really hard. That's but true. we seek it in the significant others that we look for. So I'm sorry that's did I deep. get too deep. I was I had to sigh because I'm so deep in now. I'm so sorry. I'm so deep. Okay, it would have been lighter if I hadn't gone second, but monkeys was always gonna be hard. <laughs> it was always gonna be rough. I beat you in rock, paper, scissors, so that's the way it goes. That is true. Rochambeau decided. <laughs> I don't know. But but yeah, the the basic result of this was that it showed that monkeys use their surrogate mothers, even their surrogate mothers, mm-hmm. as a base for exploration and a source for comfort and protection from scary things. They then did a study on psychological differences and found that monkeys raised with just a wire mother had the digestion problems that monkeys raised with a cloth mother did not have. Ma- Oh, no. Oh, it's breaking my heart. I know, Mom looks very it upset. It is breaking my heart. Oh, my God. Their little tummies were upset because they didn't have a cloth mommy. And that's exactly what Harlow said. Harlow, <laughs> Harlow was like, uh, this is a physiological manifestation of psychological stress, right. basically. Absolutely. So because they don't have a cloth mother to go to, they are exhibiting physiological right. symptoms. right. 
And we see that in the kids that we deal with. Oh, God, that, so much. That tummy stuff. Yeah. Lots of tummy stuff T- going tummy on. Tummy is very, like, if you have a little kid and they're talking about how their tummy is upset yeah. all the time, that yeah. might be an anxiety thing. Tummy. Because when you're an adult, it also affects your physiological state more. But and you're breathing and exactly. All that. But when you're an adult, you can kind of compartmentalize it more. Right. You can say like, oh, maybe I just ate something weird, or like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I just can't breathe very much. Allergies. I don't know what you say. But when it's a kid, they're often gonna say like, my tummy. My hurts. tummy hurts. That's yeah. such a stress response. Exactly. So if you have a kid who's saying you're uh, like, my tummy hurts pay attention anxiety maybe get them help whatever Mm -hmm. needs to happen Mm -hmm. it's probably an anxiety reaction unless there's actually a physical sickness going around exactly so these studies all of these studies that i've mentioned were extrapolated to human attachment Mm -hmm. basically harry after looking at them was saying like okay kids need a nurturing mother and some critics said, well, you know, I, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that applying primate studies to humans is exactly equivalent. But the reason we use primates for psychological studies is because they're so similar to so us. So close, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are definitely critics that say like, well, that's oversimplifying the issue. But... <laughs> But poo on them. But poo on them. It's time for the monkeys. It's time for a compliment sandwich for Harry Harlow. Okay, good, good, good. Compliment sandwich. So I'm gonna do something good and then something bad and then maybe like four other things bad and then maybe a good. Okay. (laughs) Okay, make it make it straight through. Okay, so we're gonna start with terminology. Mm -hmm. So good terminology. Uh, He called these studies that he did studies on love. Aw. I know. Where similar studies were about, you know, attachment. Like mm-hmm. I said, Bowlby is, is an attachment theorist. Mm-hmm. He was kind of concurrent with Harlow. Mm-hmm. But Harlow called his studies, studies on love. Hmm. That's very sweet. All that well is. and good. Now, let's talk about bad terminology. <laughs> okay. So, that wasn't the only thing that Harry used alternate terms for, I'm going to say. Uh, others included calling a forced mating device a rape rack. Oh my God. Uh huh. An isolation chamber called the pit of despair. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't sorry. laugh. It's bad. I shouldn't laugh. Oh my God. He would throw monkeys the pit in there. Of despair. From the, the moment of birth until like a year after oh they were born. Oh my God. That's horrible. He would isolate them and like it was. Okay, just move on, Anna. Uh, just move on. Holy, so ethics, bad ethics. Ethics, bad. Let's talk bad. about ethics, bad. Yeah. Shame on you, Harry. All of it. It's it's all bad. Yes. So not even just the terminology, not only because these baby monkeys were particularly cute, it just in general was uncool. Right. Even people who worked with him noticed that it was bad. William Mason, one of Harlow's students, said that Harlow, quote, kept this going to the point where it was clear to many people that the work was really violating ordinary sensibilities, Uh, that anybody with respect for life or people would find this offensive. Oh, It's as if he sat down and said, I'm only going to be around for another 10 years. What I'd like to do then is leave a great big mess behind. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. If that was his aim, he did a perfect job. Oh. Oh, that was one of his students saying that. Okay, that's pretty bad. That's very bad. That's pretty bad. So let's move to the good ethics. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, back to the good. Ethics good. Harry was so bad at ethics that these studies contributed to a heightened awareness of ethical treatment of lab animals. Mm. Like some said that they were the impetus for the creation of the animal liberation movement. So like wow. PETA, that wow. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good job, Harry. You were so bad at ethics. You were such a bad guy you were that they so learned how to be good. Bad. You were so unethical that you made people oh, be more ethical. That's it's not a good thing It's to like leave you're behind. a supervillain. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's like supervillain origin story. Oh, that's awful. So anyway, that's why I want a racist monkey. <laughs> oh, good grief, Anna. Talk about 
in fairness, I've wanted a Reese's monkey for years. Yeah. I told you this, right? When you were real little, you wanted one. Really? Real little. You wanted a monkey. Well, I don't know if it was Reese's. The ones with the white face. Oh, I don't know. What, what those are those are. called? Capuchin. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah, yeah, when you yeah, wanted yeah, a capuchin yeah. monkey? Mm-hmm. When you were like really little, you yeah. told me you wanted a capuchin. My whole life, I've wanted a monkey. And as I got older, especially when I heard about this study, <laughs> I wanted a monkey, a Reese's monkey that's named Quirty. Someone. That's very hey, specific, everyone, Anna. Go to Patreon. Patreon and, and <laughs> donate for Anna to get a donate monkey. Donate for me to get a monkey, please. Uh, my cats will love it. <laughs> it'll it'll go over really well. <laughs> I don't think that's a wise choice, Anna. Just just to go on record, I don't think it's a wise choice for you to have a monkey. But monkeys are so smart. One of these so days, smart. somewhere down the road, you'll have a baby. And they're, <laughs> it'll be kind of like a monkey. They're like monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Babies and monkeys, they have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can can't speak sign language. Much. They're kind of dumb. <laughs> Gotta put diapers on them. Gotta put diapers on them. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Oh my God. So so the bottom line is we learn a lot from these experiments, but they're not always the best with ethics. And that's why that? we learn a lot, really. I mean, like the, the reason we have the ethical guidelines that we have is well, like what you just said yeah yeah we actually increased exactly. our and i think i had that in my last episode too that like the things that people did it, it's kind of like when you look at a a bottle of shampoo or something and it's like hey don't use this when you're like eating a hot dog and taking a bath and it's like why do we need that why do we need that warning but these are the things that make us need the warning the, the the experiments that we're talking about are the ones that make us need the warning. They're they're the ones that make us say like, "Oh, we should not do that." Where any normal person reading this would be like, "Yeah, obviously, don't freaking don't do that. Throw your monkey in a pit of despair. Don't do pit that." Of despair. Oh my god. It's as bad as it sounds. I saw pictures. Listen, oh, it's god. bad. And you probably looked at the pictures because I remember in a past episode where you said that you like listened to these. Horrible recordings of people dying in cults. Yep. Uh, so yeah, knowing you, you probably looked at all the horrible pictures. I, and listen, if you just look, oh my god, Harlow Reese's monkey on Google. Don't do it. Don't, don't do um, it. I did it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It gets pretty sad. I, it's not. Uh, I want. I don't know. Starting with Pavlov, it's a really high bar. I wouldn't say this is as unethical. That's not true. That's not true. If there, if pit of despair is pretty. Pit of despair is pretty unethical. If it would have been only this makes the nursery the stuff. This makes the Bobo thing seem like oh yeah, yeah child's play. Bobo pales in yes. comparison to this. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't been the pit of despair, mm-hmm. if there hadn't been, I didn't even mention the. <gasps> Are you sure you want to mention it? Do you want me to? I don't know. Do you want to mention it? Is it gonna be like just over the edge? I honestly didn't look too much into it. Um, what I read was <laughs> torture versions of the surrogate mothers. Oh, God. That's so horrible. Called Iron Maidens. Oh, my gosh. Please yeah. don't go there. Okay. Please that's don't. That's all I know. So I can't go farther. Okay, but, good. Don't uh, go farther. So that's why, like, okay, we, we talked about the biography of Harry Harlow. And we talked about all the stuff he went through and all the, like, mm-hmm. the reason he changed his name, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's great. But he really, really, really tortured monkeys. He was really mean. I mean, like, I know that monkeys are cuter than other animals, but even if it was another animal... Like, but I think that that for us, this goes to that thing in psychology where we all have different perceptions. Yeah. So we look at those monkeys and we see babies. We do. I do. I see a little I, baby I, they're face. They're so close to us that they I think it's very, hard. Yeah, they look like little humans. Yeah, they act like it a little human. But, they like cling but to their maybe, mothers. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he could look at him and see totally just like the same as looking oh, at a like raccoon or something. Like he was a freaking psychopath. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay, the bottom line is it is never good to be unethical. Don't torture animals. With animals or people. I mean, it's I guess people. It's not good. People or animals. People it is animals. not good. It's really not. That's and right. It's very disheartening to see, but 
That was a long time ago. I mean, this was the 30s, you know. This was Well, a again, while ago. even like you so you talked about the 30s, I talked about the 60s. Yes. And and fortunately, we have come a long way I as mean, far as our ethics and as far yeah. as 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 guarding against being unethical in experimentation. Like fortunately, but unfortunately, we use these experiments to know what we should not do. Right. Like we use them to inform how our our further study on psychology is going to go. Mm. So we've used these studies that we've talked about and the ones we talked about in the previous episode. 15? You're the number, girl. 15. Episode 15. I even said in that episode, like, the Stanford prison experiment is yes. one that made, like, the ethical guidelines kind of start to come into play. There, there's a lot that, like, until we make a mistake, the ethics guidelines don't know what's a mistake. We learn from our mistakes. Basically. Hopefully we do. Always. Hopefully yeah, we hopefully. learn from our mistakes. That is true. Okay, that's... I thought it was going to be a light kind of episode, but oh, well, baby, I you, you we kind of went dark. With, I thought we could start with mine and then go to like lighter on yours, and then you run the Rochambeau. Well, then you should have just said go second. You should have just said that. I think we should do a Rochambeau for who gets into the closing. Okay. Okay. All right. One, One two, three, shoot. Oh, wait. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, shoot. Okay. One, two, three, shoot. Oh, my God. We tied three times in a row. <laughs> One, two, three, shoot. I you won. Scissors. I so mom has to thank the listeners for listening. I will. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with us. Good grief. <laughs> this episode was a little painful. I apologize for that. And please know that we are not always this serious about our episodes. And as intoxicated as we may have been during this episode. It's I don't know. It's, it's a good mix. So we do thank you for listening. We always thank you for listening because it's wonderful to have you with us. And please tell your friends about us and tell your friends about listening to Freudian Sips. We want to just kind of get out there and meet new people. We would like that. We feel like you're our friends and we appreciate that. So thank you for listening. That is an excellent call out because I think the the way we grow best is from you listeners telling Absolutely. people about us. Yeah, Absolutely. that's awesome. So again, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything by Freudian Sips Pod. If you want to go hold us directly, you can email us at freudiansipspod at gmail.com. You can go to our site, freudiansipspod.com, where you can find the link to our merchandise store. It's very cool. It has very cool stuff in it. <laughs> Anna's excited about it. I'm so excited about merch. I haven't ordered my merch yet, and mom has her merch. I like, have my merch. She already. has it in her hands, and I'm very Thank jealous. You. It's so soft. I'm so sad that I don't have a sweater right now. We're getting into autumn weather and I need a sweater it's immediately. Time. We are on Patreon if you want to support the show. We are our Freudian Sips Pod on there. Please remember to leave us a nice writing interview wherever you can do that. And please send us an email at freudiansipspod at gmail.com with a picture of the review as well as your address. And we will send you a sticker. We we really want to reward you guys for just just showing us support and, and telling and us also, what you And also if us. you have ideas for things that you'd like to hear about or if you have questions, oh, uh, maybe something that you're going through personally, um, we kind of deal in that psychology yes. category. So mm-hmm. if there's something that you want to have us talk about on a podcast, send it to us, email us, and we would love to hear from you. Yes, we have talked before about kind of um, I, I feel like this will, if we ever get popular enough for a live show, I think this will be our, <laughs> our bread and butter. But we will, um, we would love to start answering questions that people give us in terms of their own psychological predicaments or our own stuff. Our own stuff. We all have stuff. Their family issues. So ask us questions about stuff your stuff. Like Fraser style. You know, that's <laughs> what we're really aiming for is Fraser style stuff. So please send us, you know, questions that you have or things that you're seeking wisdom on. And we would love to give our opinions on that. We would, if you trust us to do so. <laughs> Mom and gave me we a might have to very <laughs> startled look when I said that. Our wisdom. Yeah. yeah. I, We'd love to hear from you. Wisdom's a fine word. It is. 
So our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds, sounds like this. Sounds like this. Mom did it at the same time. <laughs>